podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday, the 11th of January. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. Home of Hopcroft is a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping globally homeofhopcroft.co.uk Right, the third round of the FA Cup is almost in the books. We have one game to be played this evening and one game that we just don't know about yet. So tonight we will get Stockport against West Ham and the Southampton versus Shrewsbury game is yet to be determined. They haven't made a decision yet on whether Southampton will get a bye, whether they'll play the game during the week or what's going to go on and and the thing is the draws for both the third sorry the fourth and fifth round are both being made this evening so it looks like Shrewsbury are just going to be eliminated from the competition without having gotten to play against Saints which is very unfortunate for them but in this landscape with COVID and everything else that's going on I I suppose it is the only option Uh, it's very upsetting for Shrewsbury was obviously a big occasion for them getting to play a Premier League team. It would have been worse if they were the home team and they'd been relying on a lot more income. But it is what it is. As I say, the the fourth round draw is tonight, I think, at 10 past 7. And the fifth round draw is at, I think, 25 past 7. I'm not really a fan of them doing both draws together. I think it kind of takes away a bit of the suspense once you get through the fourth round to see who everybody's going to play. But I suppose it is what they want to do for time constraints. So we'll find out tonight who plays who. Over the weekend, then, we had the third round. Uh, started Friday night with Wolves 1, Crystal Palace 0. Um, Adama Traore scoring his first goal in, I think, about 35 games. Great goal, to be fair to him. And he had a couple of other good opportunities in the game. Um and great for Wolves to progress because they're not having the best of league campaigns. So a good cup run can maybe make up for the fact that the league isn't going the way they'd wanted to. At the same time, Liverpool beat Aston Villa 4-1, a senior Liverpool team versus a, a glorified under-18 team for Aston Villa. And it must be said, Villa really gave them a game for the first 45 minutes. Liverpool were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. They went ahead early through a Sadio Mane header before Villa clawed their way back in with a Louis Barry goal on 41 minutes. Lovely bit of play in their own half. Ball played through. Barry runs behind Reese Williams. Shows his pace. Shows his first touch. Then his composure. It's a great finish past Cuevin Kelleher. And um, that is a moment Louis Barry will always remember. And 
he was interviewed after the game, and I thought he came across really, really well. He is a huge talent and one that Villa fans should be very, very excited for. Um, Ginny Wijnaldum put Liverpool 2-1 up in the second half. Thiago Alcantara came on for Jordan Henderson at halftime, and Liverpool just looked a completely different team. Uh, Villa did start to tire, but it was because of how they were been moved around. Wijnaldum makes it 2 Three minutes later, Mane makes it three, makes it three, and then Mo Salah makes it four. Just two minutes after that, so Liverpool comfortably through to the next round. Whether or not they continue to take the competition seriously, we will have to wait and see. On to Saturday, Everton needed a very, very late Abdoulaye Ducore goal to secure a two-one win over Rotherham. Big news coming out of that game: the return of Lucas Digne. That is huge for Everton. He's one of their main creative players, their main outlet down that left flank. He was in great form up until he got hurt. So for them to get him back, that is massive. All they need to do now is get Alan back and they'll be pretty much at full strength. So Everton can maintain their charge for top four and carry on in the FA Cup. And you know that for the fans, they'd love to win the FA Cup. The last trophy they won was the FA Cup in 95 when they beat United 1-0 in the final. So for Carlo... Silverware will definitely be on the agenda this year, and I can see Everton taking the cup quite seriously. Uh, Millwall beat Boreham Wood 2-0. Luton beat Reading 1-0. Nottingham Forest beat Cardiff 1-0. Norwich City beat uh, Coventry 2-0. And then we got the first big upset of the weekend. Now, it's a big upset when you look at the team names. When you look at the team sheets, it's not so much of an upset. Chorley 2 Derby County nil, but of course Derby without all of their players due to a coronavirus outbreak. But huge, huge win for for Chorley, a day that will live long in the memory for their their fans, for their players. It doesn't matter who they were playing against; they knocked out Derby County. That's all the history books will show, and it's a massive moment in the history of that club. Um, Doncaster knocked out Blackburn Rovers with a one nil win. And then we get another shock as West Brom go out, the first Premier League club to go out as they're beaten by Blackpool on penalties. Uh, Jerry Yates had put Blackpool one up before Semi Ajaya drew West Brom level. Gary Medine put the uh, the Seasiders up 2-1 before Matthias Pereira with a late penalty sent it to penalties and... Um, Truth be told, Blackpool deserved to win the game. Blackpool were the better team. Big Sam's 4-1-4-1 was quite strong. Not full strength, but quite strong. But Branislav Ivanovic, again, even at at this level, uh, against the League One team, was exposed uh, for being completely finished. And unless West Brom address their defensive issues, the season's going nowhere for them other than the return trip into the championship. Uh, Wickham hammered Preston 4-1. Nice relief from for Wickham, who've been having a poor league campaign, but really nice for them to get this big win and move on in the cup. Uh, Fulham knocked out QPR with a 2-0 win. Uh, Bobby Reid and Niskin Skibano both in extra time. Uh, fairly dull, stale game. A little bit of controversy to come out of this one as Eberichi Ezi, the, the Crystal Palace wide player was pictured in the stands at this game having come back to watch his former club and uh, had done so without 
the permission of the FA, allegedly. Um, so he is facing an investigation and could well face a suspension. Swansea 2, Stephen Agnil. Burnley threw on penalties after a very, very hard-fought game against MK Dons, where they tra- trailed for most of the game before Matija Vidra scored in the 94th minute to send the game to extra time and then on to penalties. And then another big shock. Sheffield United 3, Bristol Rovers 2. Sheffield United did a win. They won a game of football. It's the first game of football they've won since July. Chris Wilder, the poor man, had been sat on 99 wins as uh, Sheffield United manager for months and months and months. And finally, finally, the burden has been lifted and they've won a game of football. And I did say that this was an opportunity for them to just put what's going on in the Premier League to the back of their minds and enjoy themselves in the FA Cup. Now, they made hard work of this. Far harder work than they should have. They looked like a team that hadn't won a game in six months. Um, they went 1-0 up after six minutes, an own goal by Joe Day. Then Alfie Kilgour put them put it 1-0 with a goal for Bristol. Ollie Burke scored to put the Blades 2-1 up before Max Emmer made it 2-2. And then a minute later, Jaden Bogle, uh, with his second goal for the club, gets the win for Sheffield United. Some interesting things to note here. Rian Brewster, who they paid $26 million for, $24 million for, didn't get a game. He didn't start, and he didn't get off the bench. They brought Ollie Burke on. Max Lowe came on, and Keen Bryan came on. But no Rian Brewster. And that does sort of strike to how that transfer is working out. Sheffield United went basically full strength. The only positions you'd look at and say that's not their best available 11 were the two wing-back spots where Bogle played at the right-back, even though I, I do think he is the best option they have there, and Ben Osborne played on the left. There was no Bergen, no O'Connell, because they're both injured, but everybody else was pretty much fit, so... The team they put out was their strongest 11, and they struggled to beat Bristol Rovers, which, you know, a lot of it is confidence because most of that team that played, with the exception of the two wing-backs and Ethan Ampadu, and the goalkeeper, obviously, he's a different issue, they were part of the team that finished ninth in the Premier League last year. They were part of the team that really did look like they could challenge for a European spot when football reopened after the lockdown. So... It does strike to the the confidence issues, the form issues. I'm delighted for Chris Wilder that he's gotten his 100th win, and Sheffield United fans shouldn't really care how the win came, that it, that they scraped it against, the, against Bristol. It doesn't matter. They won the game of football, and that's what matters. You won a game of football for the first time in a very long time. They'd obviously been knocked out of the uh, the EFL Cup. They have, haven't won in the Premier League. And last season, when football reopened, they were desperate. So I think they won They won a couple of games. Chelsea was the last game they won. Um, and and that's, that is, I think that's July. So, you know, 
we're in January now. It's a long time to go without a win. And, and in, in related news, Schalke, who hadn't won a game in 12 months, managed to hammer Hoffenheim at the weekend. Um, so, you know, big shocks all around the world as teams that had forgotten how to win start winning again. Um, from there then, Bournemouth 4, Oldham 1, Leicester City comprehensively thumped Stoke City. Uh, 4-0 win. James Justin, Mark Albrighton, Aosi Perez and Harvey Barnes get the goals. Brendan Rodgers went with a, a pretty strong team, it has to be said. Um, with the exceptions of Perez instead of Vardy, Prayat instead of Madison, the lack of Fafana and so, or the lack of Sayonchu, who did come on, which is great for them, um, and Ricardo Pereira, they were pretty much at full strength. So interesting to see Brendan go with full strength teams. You'd wonder if Leicester are going to make a run at winning the FA Cup this year. Could be could be a huge moment for them if they do. Obviously, I know they won the Premier League a few years ago, but any silverware that you get when you're not one of the big six is is massive. Uh, Sheffield United two, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday two, Exeter nil. Um, Sheffield Wednesday continue to win games and sacking Tony Pulis. There might be something in that, folks. Uh, Arsenal two, Newcastle nil. Emil Smith Rowe and Pierre Emerick Aubameyang give Arsenal the the win with goals in extra time after a fairly dour affair. Newcastle came and parked the bus and did Steve Bruce things and then kind of late in the game decided that they might as well give it a go. Um, Arsenal deserved to go through. They had fairly bombarded the Newcastle goal throughout. So credit to them, Arsenal through to the next round. Brentford 2, Middlesbrough 1. Goodbye, Mr. Warnock. Thanks for playing. Huddersfield 2, Plymouth Argyle 3. A little bit of a shock there. Then Manchester United finished Saturday off, scraping a 1-0 win against Watford. Scott McTominay after five minutes. After that, it was a fairly even game. United did have more possession, but 19 shots to Watford's 18. Strong enough team for United, but a big blow that Eric Bailly has gotten injured again. Uh, good to see Jesse Lingard playing a game of football for the first time in... Well, I don't even know how long it is since he started a game. Um, Axel Tenzubi. Tenzabi? I... Whatever his name is, he looked good. He had a good game. But Watford did cause them problems. The likes of Ishmael Assar, Joe Pedro. These are talented young players. They... Is it Zinkemegel? Play fellow who played left wing, he looked good. Um, United through, they'll get to the semis and then they'll lose. It's what Ollie does. Um, big shock on Sunday as Crawley Town walloped Leeds 3 0. And, um, in truth, it could have been more. It really could have been more. Uh, Leeds had the majority of the possession, which I don't think suited them in the game, but Crawley just took them apart when they, when they got their opportunities. And, it was a fairly strong Leeds team. Liam Cooper was back. Calvin Phillips started. Uh, Alioski started. Hernandez started. Rodrigo started. But Jack Harrison started. It was it was a strong Leeds team, but they were let down badly by Kiko Casilla in goal, who just, aside from the fact that he's not a particularly good human being, just isn't a very good goalkeeper. And if Leeds are 
going to do some bits this month, uh, you would imagine a, a new goalkeeper, a backup goalkeeper to Melier, is probably uh, high on the list of priorities for them. But they'll be very disappointed here. It was a, you know, a nice opportunity for them to to maybe progress and do do some bits and pieces. Um, Bristol City knocked out Portsmouth 2-1. Cheltenham knocked out Mansfield 2-1. Chelsea walloped Morecambe 4-0, as you'd expect. Strong Chelsea team, it must be said. Um, I was a little bit surprised by how strong, I must say. Like, they went with the Zayic, Werner, Hudson, Doyle front three, Havertz, Gilmore, and Mount in midfield. They dominated the game. They had 85% of the possession. Morecambe really did just make up the numbers. But look, for Morecambe, it was just the experience getting to play against a team like Chelsea. It's just a shame it wasn't in front of a, a packed Stamford Bridge. Man City easily swept aside um, Birmingham. Bernardo Silva with two, Phil Foden with one. Uh, one of one of those Bernardo Silva goals was absolutely outstanding and should be watched back. Um, oh, I didn't mention who scored for Chelsea. Mount, Werner, hudson Adoy, and Havertz get the goals for them. Um, Barnsley 2, Tranmere 0. Disappointing for Liverpool fans who had hoped to see Tranmere maybe in the next round. Marine 0, Spurs 5. I mean, this was always going to be the result of this game, but it was just about the moment for Marine. Carlos Vinicius gets a hat-trick, Lucas Moura scores, and then Alfie Devine, 16-year-old that they uh, got from Wigan as part of the Wigan fire sale in the summer, gets the fifth. I think he becomes the youngest scorer in the FA Cup or Football League in nine years. A huge talent and, and one of those, along with Jensen Weir and Joe Gellhart, who went to, Jensen Weir went to Brighton and Joe Gellhart went to Leeds. One of those that was sold off by Wigan to pay current debts, but have cost the club their future, um, and probably somewhere in the region of twenty million in cash, because those three are huge, huge, huge talents, and Wigan would have built their team around them, developed them, and maybe sold them for a combined twenty to twenty-five million. They got two million combined for the three. Uh, it does go to show that even though administrators are trying to save the club, they don't know anything about football and they will massively undervalue uh, young assets like that. Um, Maureen, I think the the crowd turned out to be, the virtual crowd, I should say, over 30,000 people, which is just incredible. Um, so that should put a big, big sum of money into the coffers um, for the club. We also saw some sponsorships with The Athletic, uh, with the Jamie Carragher Foundation, which is good. And um, there was also some fume from Everton fans who got very upset that a man came and stood in a wall to watch the game with a cardboard cutout of Jurgen Klopp. And that apparently was just a step too far for Everton fans. A really nice gesture after the game as Spurs announced that because of COVID, they wouldn't swap shirts, but they gave a full set of signed shirts from the Spurs players to the Marine players, which I thought was a really, really nice gesture. Very classy move. Um, Brighton beat Newport after a one-all draw. 3 4-3 on penalties. 
Uh, a very dull, uninspiring game, it must be said. Sully March scored to put um, Brighton 1 0 up on 90, and then Adam Webster with the own goal on 96. So that, that own goal was entirely the fault of Jason Steele. Steele did manage to turn things around and become the hero with the uh with his you know with his penalty saving. Um all things considered Brighton will be happy to be through. They won't be happy with that performance. And then like I say, the last game will be Stockport against West Ham tonight. So all in all it was a fairly entertaining weekend. We had some shocks like Crawley, Chorley, Sheffield United winning a football match. Uh, most of the games went as expected in terms of the Premier League teams. Uh, West Brom obviously going out to Blackpool is a shock. But the majority of the Premier League are through, other than you know those that lost to other Premier League clubs. And um, yeah, fourth round draw tonight and the fifth round draw. So it will be fun to see how that shakes out, how we end up with, or what we end up with uh, moving forward. Right. Let's jump into some news. Um, there's a story in the mirror, and I don't normally read the mirror, but this caught my eye. So it's by a journalist called Matt Maltby, who I'm not I'm not familiar with. The headline is Palace facing biggest decision in Premier League era as pressure piles on Hodgson. The subheader is. Under the stewardship of the experienced manager Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace's eighth successive Premier League season among the biggest clubs in England is beginning to fizzle out already. Now, the biggest decision in the Premier League era is... That's pure hyperbole. It, it just is. It's nothing other than that. The season is beginning to fizzle out. I mean, they're 14th. But... Wolves have the same point system. Leeds have one point more. Arsenal have one point more. West Ham and Chelsea only have four points more. As do Aston Villa, but they do have two games in hand. But if you want to be really silly, Man City, Southampton and Spurs are only seven points above Crystal Palace at this point. Admittedly, City... Um, and Spurs have games in hand, but the league is very, very condensed. I, I don't understand the purpose of this article. I think it's a bit of a strange one. To get into the body of the article, when it comes to Crystal Palace, few Premier League teams divide opinion more than the South Londoners. And this is what made me laugh. Known for their attacking flair, with the likes of Wilfred Zaha and Yannick Bolassi lighting up Selhurst Park in years gone by. Known for their attacking flair. This is a real thing that somebody's written. Now, I will give that Wilf Zaha is a very entertaining, exciting player. But the idea that Crystal Palace are known for their attacking flair... Myself and Guy went through this not all that long ago. Working backwards, here are the men that have managed Crystal Palace in the last 10 years. Roy Hodgson for 141 games. Frank De Boer 
for five games. Sam Allardyce for 24. Alan Pardew for 87. Keith Millen for two. Neil Warnock for 17. Keith Millen for three. Tony Pulis for 28. 28. Uh, Keith Millen for four. Ian Holloway for 46. Curtis Fleming for one. Laurie Lawrence and Curtis Fleming as joint caretakers for two. And Dougie Friedman for 90. And I mean, before that, you can go back. George Burley, Paul Hart, Neil Warnock, Peter Taylor, Ian Dowie, Kit Simon, Steve Kember, Trevor Francis. I mean, at what point were they known for attacking Flair? Like, I'm genuinely curious about this. I'm genuinely curious as to at what point they were known for their attacking flair. The only manager they've had who's won... Sorry, they've had two managers in the last 10 years who've been real managers, not caretakers, who've won over 40% of the games are Tony Pulis, who won 42.86%. Nobody is calling him an attacking, exciting manager. And Alan Pardew. And again, not playing the most exciting stuff. I don't understand the purpose or the premise of this article. Palace do have a decision to make over Hodgson. There's absolutely no question on that. His contract is up at the end of the season and they have been fairly stagnant under him. There's no there's no doubt about any of that, but they've been stagnant for a lot longer than when just Roy Hodgson was there. They were stagnant for years before he arrived. Is the time ready for Palace to move on and, and find a new manager and go in a different direction? Absolutely it is. I've said before, I think they should be approaching Eddie Howe and trying to agree a deal to have him in place to take over in the summer. Have him come in and work next to Hodgson for six months if you want to. But there's absolutely no sense in changing now. There's no sense in trying to make that move now. Get him in alongside Hodgson, sure. Don't replace Hodgson now, because you're still not safe. You probably are, but you're not actually. Um, I, I don't see the logic in this article. I think it's nonsense. And, again, the idea that Palace are known for attacking football is just baffling. Absolutely baffling. Where you could come up with that, I don't know. You just haven't watched Crystal Palace play for a long time. Another headline in this is a huge rebuilding job ahead. That There's not really. Yes, the squad is a little bit old, but there's good young players there and good players in their kind of late 20s that you can continue this team on with. Now, the two managers he suggests are Dyche and Eddie Howe. Like I said, I think Howe would be the one I don't think Dyche would go there. I know he interviewed there a couple of years ago, but I don't think he'd go there now. Um, 
also in the mirror. And, and this is just, again, it's just gibberish. The headline, and I'm not going to read the article, the headline reads, Manchester United told they would win the league if Edward Ward sanctions one January transfer. It's, oh, oh, sorry. I, I, yeah, I wish I hadn't read it. If they sign Erling Haaland, they'll win the title, apparently. That is, that is tremendous insight. Gabby Agbon Lahore, you have, you have completed football, mate. You, you understand it deeper than anybody else. Get that nonsense off my screen. Um, Right, this is a story that's come out this weekend and it's gotten Liverpool fans all up in a frenzy. It's gotten Everton fans, you know, angrier than they were beforehand, if that's possible. Um, Michael Oliver did an interview in the Daily Mail with uh, Oliver Holt this weekend. And it's actually, it's a really good read and it's, it's I'm not going to spoil the article, but he admits that Jordan Pickford should have been sent off against Liverpool. Now, his logic is that... I'm sorry, his explanation is that they checked the offside and they didn't check the actual foul by Pickford on Van Dijk. Now, I said at the time, that's what was reported immediately to the commentators on the game, the PGMOL came out afterwards and said, oh no, it was checked, it was checked, it was checked. It wasn't checked. Oliver has now confirmed it wasn't checked. So the PGMOL need to address this and they need to address why they put out a false statement claiming that it had been checked. And again, it, it goes to the incompetence of David Coote, of course, who was VAR on the day. But I don't understand why the PGMOL lied. I really don't. Oliver has also said that, you know, at the time he didn't realise how bad of a tackle it was because no Liverpool player approached him and asked for a red card. Where's that leadership when you need it, huh? Where's that vaunted leader when you need him? Oh, yeah, he was lying on the ground with his knee snapped in half. Um... Guy has just made me aware of a report coming from Matt Law that Aston Villa against Spurs is off due to the outbreak at Villa. And Spurs will play Fulham this Wednesday instead. Fulham's game versus Chelsea has been moved to Saturday at 5.30pm. So that's Spurs-Fulham game. That's the one that was cancelled last weekend. Uh, so now that that gets played and you know fix, fills that gap in the schedule, uh, Villa versus Spurs being called off is no surprise. You just hope that everybody at Villa gets better soon. Um, and it's good to see the Premier League are at least been proactive and making these decisions quickly. And it's good to see the clubs are you know flexible too. I suppose it's easier when it is Spurs against Fulham, two London clubs that there's no no real travel involved. Um. That's pretty much it for the news today. There isn't really a whole lot to talk about, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, there is one thing. The Scottish lower leagues uh, have been suspended for three weeks due to the rising number of coronavirus cases. The impacted leagues are League One, League Two, Scottish football, Scottish women's football, Premier League One and Two, the Highland League, the Lowland League, 
East, West and South Scotland Leagues, the Scottish Junior FA Leagues and the North Caledonian League. The Premier League and Championship will continue for now. But this is an interesting move by the Scottish FA uh, in partnership with the Scottish Government. And you wonder if we may start seeing something similar in England. I know the argument is there's no time. I know the argument is that it can't be done. I'm afraid it might have to be done, and that might just be the be-all and end-all of the situation. We'll wrap up with some gossip. I've got two days' worth to get through, so that's nice. Uh, Inter Milan want to take Manchester United and England midfielder Jesse Lingard on loan, but only if they can offload Denmark midfielder Christian Eriksen. Um, No, they don't. No, absolutely they don't, because they don't play a system that would allow them to play a player like Jesse Lingard and if they did, they would buy a better player than Jesse Lingard or loan a better player than Jesse Lingard. Inter Milan are, are not going for more. You would hope they're not going for more scraps. I think this is just journalists putting two, two, two and two together. Inter have, brought, have bought some United scraps and um, you know United want rid of Lingard. I don't see that happening at all. Manchester United's France midfielder Paul Pogba is wanted by Maurizio Pochettino. who's was, was keen to build his team Around the 27-year-old. Well, if anyone watched Pochettino's Spurs team, they'll know that that's unlikely. Pogba doesn't really fit the bill. Chelsea are ready to join the chase for RB Leipzig's France defender, Dale Upamecano. Well, you know, there's, he's a player. There's money out there. Why wouldn't Chelsea spend it? And the Bundesliga say they will continue... The Bundesliga side say they will continue to sell their best players. And Manchester United, who want a central defender, are keen on Upamecano. Everybody is keen on Upa Meccano. Uh, the reason Leipzig are willing to sell him or maybe willing to sell him now is because he is a buyout clause in the summer for below his market value, whereas if they sell him now, they will get above his market value. So it makes sense for them to do so to the right club. Um, West Ham's England midfielder Declan Rice would, like, would prefer to stay in London and has no interest in joining Manchester United, leaving Chelsea as his most likely destination. Fair, I suppose. He's he's from London. It makes sense. Uh, West Ham have been offered the chance to sign Red Bull Salzburg's 25 million Zambian striker Patson Daka as a replacement for Sebastian Haller, who has joined Ajax. Patson Daka is very, very talented. I, I don't see him working at West Ham, though. I also don't see them spending that type of money. This is more likely. David Moyes hammers are pondering a loan move for Real Madrid Spanish Dominican forward Mariano Diaz. Mariano Diaz was really good a couple of years ago, but um, it just hasn't worked from at Real Madrid. He was really good. I think he was at Leon, and he was he was really impressive, but it, it just never worked from at Real. Uh, Arsenal midfielder Lucas Torreira could be on his way to Fiorentina with the 24-year-old's loan spell at Atletico Madrid not working out as planned. You know what he should be doing? He should be playing for Arsenal. He should be playing for Arsenal. That's what he should be doing. Aston Villa are considering a move for Bournemouth and Wales midfielder David Brooks. David Brooks is fantastic and he would be a great addition to pretty much any Premier League club. He is really, really good. Um. Manchester United have decided against signing 
19-year-old Ecuadorian midfielder Moises Casado, but he remains a target for Brighton. I don't know if they decided that or if he decided he wasn't going there. Uh, Leon's French striker Moussa Dembele has turned down the chance of a move to West Ham in the transfer window. That's because he is on his way to Atletico Madrid uh, on loan with an option or an obligation to buy. I'm not sure which. Brazilian midfielder Fernandinho, whose Manchester City contract runs out at the end of the season, has offers to consider from his home country and across Europe, according to his agent. It'll just, it's another big one for City because they lost Yaya, then they lost Company, then they lost um, David Silva, now they lose him, they may lose Aguero this summer as well. I mean, that's that leadership base gone. And there's nobody really to replace it. So it's a tough one for City. Um, Man City's Republic of Ireland defender, Timmy Sabawala, is wanted by Major League Soccer side Real Salt Lake. He is only 18. I, stay stay where you are, son, or go, go to the championship. Do not go to America at this point. Um, Jamaica and former Manchester United, West Ham and Lazio midfielder Ravel Morrison has had his one-year contract terminated at Den Haag after just four months. Uh, Ravel Morrison had the talent to be anything he wanted, but unfortunately, um, just not in the right place mentally through his career, came from a very poor environment. And unfortunately, off-field stuff has really derailed his career. He's still only 27, though, which is crazy. He came through in the same team as Pogba, so it's not actually crazy, but... He just seems to have been around for a very long time. I, I he's been in Mexico and all sorts. He's had, you know, he's at least he's had a career. Fair play to him. Um, Genoa faced competition from Real Betis for uh, Arsenal's Greek centre back Socrates. I don't know why. Why would anyone want him? Really? Like, why would you want him in your team? He can't run. Yeah. I, right. We'll move on to Mondays. Uh, hopefully, it's better than that pile of dung. Um, Napoli have made Arsenal's Scotland defender Kieran Tierney a long-term target after missing out on the 23-year-old at the start of last season. No, it's it's just it's not looking much better. It must be said. Everton are considering a loan, considering a move for 27-year-old Brazilian midfielder Felipe Anderson, who's on loan at Porto from West Ham and not getting regular games for Porto. He'd be a lot of fun in that West in that in that. Um, what am I talking about? In that Everton team, he'd be an awful lot of fun. Him, James, and Richarlison behind Calvert-Lewin. That could be very, very entertaining. Chelsea are unwilling to let Ross Barkley leave on the cheap because he has two and a half years left on his contract. Barkley's obviously been injured, and Villa have done pretty well while he's been out, but they were better when he was in the team. This sounds like one of those things where Maybe they've made a decision that they're not going to buy him and they're putting the excuses out there. I think that'd be a mistake. Newcastle remains a possible destination for Chelsea's 23-year-old English defender, Fekio Tomori, who is set to go on loan this month. I think West Ham are rumoured to be strongly interested in him. And uh, the Magpies have given up trying to sign English left-back Brandon Williams, who's actually a right-back um, on loan. Yeah, I mean, he's apparently everybody wants him. Southampton... Brighton, West Ham want him. Uh, there was a championship club link the other day as well. There's uh, pretty much everybody who's looking for any kind of fullback cover wants Brandon Williams. 
Um, Spanish forward Brahim Diaz is set to leave AC Milan at the end of his loan spell and return to Real Madrid, although the Spanish, the Italian club want to retain him. Don't they have an option to buy? I think if they have an option to buy, they just get to keep him regardless what, well, as, as long as he wants to do it. Um, in fairness, he hasn't been very good, so I don't know if they do want to keep him, but, um, he's a talented player. He's the kid that was at City and, Real paid like 20 million for him or something. He never kicked the ball for City senior team. Uh, England mid- England winger Jaden Sancho admitted he has endured a tough season for Borussia Dortmund since his links to Manchester United. But that's not what he said. It's not what he said at all. He said that the speculation made it a difficult time for him. But he's been brilliant, so it's just nonsense. The Manchester Evening News, a clickbait website is all they are now. Uh, similar to the Liverpool Echo and the Mirror. Uh, Fernandinho's agent has talked up the prospect of him returning to Brazilian, Brazilian side Atletico Paranese when his contract with the Premier League club expires in summer. He seems to be chatting a lot, so maybe there's something in it. Uh, Liverpool have held talks with Belgian, German and Swiss clubs over potential loan for Sepp Van, Vandenberg. Uh, yeah, he needs a loan. He's he's too good for under twenty three level. I think too talented, but not strong enough. And I, I don't know that he's ever going to really be suited to English football. But I can see him doing really well in, in any of those leagues uh, in the short term. Fenerbahce want fourteen million for Osan Tufan with Crystal Palace and West Brom believed to be interested, along with Russian side CSK Moscow. Don't know much about him, but, you know, Crystal Palace could definitely do with a central midfielder. West Brom, sort your effing back four out, please. Um, and Southampton forward Dan Lundali uh, is a target for Real Betis. Um, the 21-year-old 20, has 18 months left in his contract. I mean, he doesn't get much game time at um, Southampton, so, yeah, it's probably best for him to move on. Um, that is it. There's not a whole lot today, unfortunately. It's a it's a bit of a, a damp squib, I'm afraid. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more this week. I'm hoping to have a couple of people on, um, talk about specific clubs and stuff. And we'll obviously have we'll have Twitter questions on Thursday, which is always good. And we'll try and get some stuff arranged for Wednesday as well. So, um, yeah, it, the, the the show will only improve as we go through the week. Let me let me assure you of that. Uh, that is it then. That is my show for today. Thank you very much to Guy Drinkle as always. Thank you to Fox Haunt as always. And thank you to you for continuing to listen. I will see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.